keeping it personal in a digital age. Learn how with Alex Rodine from Geodis on episode 42. This is Two Babes Talk Supply Chain, where we interview the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about the best practices, changes in the industry, and hot topics in supply chain. We answer all your questions and put the sexy into your supply chain. We are your hosts, Sarah and Ian. Are you struggling to make the most out of your supply chain and keep your orders moving efficiently? IceCorp is your supply chain specialist, and they specialize in e-commerce, retail, and drop ship distribution. They will provide you with tailor-made solutions that will drive your business and sales forward. Get your free assessment. Visit them at icecorplogistics.com. Check out their learning center as they have some great free resources waiting for you. Good afternoon, Two Babes listeners, and welcome back to the show. We are answering the questions to something every supply chain professional is looking for, savings in transportation. And with us today is Carl Manrote to take us through those strategies. Dr. Manrote has over 25 years in logistics, transportation, and supply chain research. These research projects have been funded by a wide range of participants in the supply chain, ranging from consulting firms, associations, carriers, software providers, and shippers. This background helped Georgia College establish the Institute for Logistics and Transportation Studies, a research office focused on the needs of today's practitioners. He was recognized as a rainmaker by DC Velocity Magazine. Dr. Manrote also had served the profession in several forums. He served on the board of directors for the Council of Supply Chain Management Professionals, as well as other leadership roles with WERC. Currently, Dr. Manrote serves as professor, professor of logistics and department chair in the Department of Marketing and Logistics at Georgia College and State University. Welcome to the show, Carl. We are excited to be topic, talking about this hot topic with you today. Well, thank you for the invitation, and your, your intro made me sound old. Um, I really started when I was 18, so just to set the record straight. <laughs> well, I started in this industry when I was 18 as well, so... Good, good. We have something in common. I thought you were only 29, Carl. Uh, I wish. Uh, <laughs> we actually celebrated uh, my birthday earlier today, so we won't go into how old I am, but yeah, it's, it's not quite 29 anymore. Oh, happy birthday! Happy birthday, exactly! <laughs> We're glad you took the time out of your birthday today to speak with us. So I, I can't find a better place that I'd rather spend it. Awesome, awesome. So let's get started. Why is transportation at a crossroads again? Well, I'm glad you used the word crossroads and not crosshairs, um, because I think a lot of transportation folks really think that they're at the crosshairs a lot of times uh, than at a crossroads. But there's been a lot of change, and especially in the entire business environment. So here's an interesting stat for just the, the audience to really think about. If you were to go back to 1958 and um, look at the average corporate lifespan for companies, it was around 61 years. Go to 2011, so seven years ago, it was 18 years. At the current rate, 75% of S&P 500 companies ought to be gone by 2025. Um, so that huge change is really kind of impacting transportation fairly significantly. 
A lot of companies are coming and a lot of them are going. The second part of that is is how we look at transportation. Some people say, you know what, um, they're, it's just a commodity. And some are going to say this is really a strategic partnership. But even when I say they're a strategic partner, we really have issues with how we do that or define that and operationalize that definition. Let, let me give you a really good example. Um, I was at a conference a couple years ago. I'm not going to say where. And we had a panel of shippers and a couple carriers. And the shippers here talked about how they had great strategic relationships and partnerships with their carriers. And I asked a very impolite question. Guess what my question was? What? How long is your contract with your, with your strategic carrier? Do you know what the answer was? I don't have one. One year. One year, wow. Strategic, if I'm going to have a one-year contract with somebody. Absolutely. Excellent. Carl, the next question is, why was 2015 a harbinger of change, and could you explain to us what harbinger means? Yeah, it's kind of a, a foretelling. And really, there's a lot of different things that were percolating at that time. So, again, we kind of hit on this idea about this, the, the business environment really being under a lot of change. If you looked at transportation, the cost impact um, really was coming into play. A lot of carriers is really kind of a, a break-even, neutral kind of year, so they weren't doing that well. Look at the world technology is actually playing today. Um, huge amounts that are now impacting the way we think about transportation and actually the way we're even thinking about delivering goods to our customers. Just the whole idea about how the last mile is going to be done um, is really coming into play. There's, there's even an article that came out today um, that kind of goes to that. So technology is a huge one. And then looking at carrier performance, and we'll, we'll hopefully talk about that a little bit later on, but if you were to look at 2016 and 2015, our data on actual performance isn't that great. And so carriers really need to step up and figure out how to do that a little bit better. And then the last one that really impacted quite a bit is the role that procurement is playing in transportation today. <clears throat> in the, and I'll put in quotes, the old days, you know, um, some firms are very decentralized on how they manage transportation. Some are more centralized. Either spot or either way, procurement really didn't play that big a part or that big a role in it. And what we've seen over the last three years is procurement playing a increasing role in the RFP, carrier selection, and the like. And getting that group in typically are more focused in on cost and not really understanding the business, which really puts firms at a, at a significant disadvantage. Because what I'll do is I'll give you a price but my assumptions are so restrictive that that price really isn't that great a price. So carrier, or shippers really had to be careful when procurement comes in because they really need to understand the business. And unfortunately, there's not a lot of education for procurement professionals to really understand how transportation works. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, we've actually heard a lot more about last mile and procurement really in the last... It feels like we've been hearing about it for a long time, but it's really no. only been the last 18 months to two yeah, years. Yeah, I would say two years at the most. Yeah. yeah. yeah and, and I do a lot of work in procurement and sourcing, and so I, I, maybe my antenna was up a little bit, but I think you're right. Two to three years is about that range where people started saying, you know what, I've got to go through procurement now. And uh, when we started looking at those numbers, it's fairly significant about them getting involved in the RFP and everything else. So about two years ago, uh, Mary Holcomb and I wrote a, a small article for Supply Chain Brain 
about procurement and transportation. And, and really, unfortunately, they just don't get it. They just think the price is a price. Well, it's not. You know, a truck in Atlanta is way different than a truck in Chicago, and where it's going to go is way different as well. Yeah, there's so many moving, so many more moving parts in transportation, so many, you know, different reasons for different costs and, you know, even different routings that maybe one company is thinking of versus another. And I, I, I agree with you. I think in some of those circumstances, it's very black and white. And with transportation, there's a lot of gray. There is a lot, yes. And so how do I get a procurement person to think about that when, with all due respect to that audience, they may have just been buying toilet paper or some other commodity, and they say, well, transportation is going to be the exact same way. And it's really not. So, you know, if we were looking at, you know, one thing that carriers can think about is how do I el really elevate the educational level and experiences for procurement to really understand that? And w one thing that Mary and I, Mary Holcomb and I, and she's at the University of Tennessee have talked about is trying to go ahead and develop some um, tools, maybe it's, it's courseware, software, that we can actually give to carriers to give to procurement folks to say, this is how transportation actually operates. This is why, you know, um, costs, you know, are going to be dictated by a lot of the factors that you come into play that maybe you haven't really thought about. Um, so there's got to be a neutral th third party that can kind of help in that educational process. Absolutely. So that kind of takes us into the next question. You, you mentioned in your presentation, I just want to let our listeners know that you've been kind enough to give us a free resource on this particular subject. So they'll be able to download that at our website, twobabestalksupplychain.com. So in that presentation, you talk about that in 2016, there were some factors that were impacting transportation. Can you talk to us a little bit about those factors and, and what they were? Yeah, let me, let me, you know, instead of going through the whole list, let me kind of kid on a couple that I think were really kind of critical. And then if there's another, any on there, Sarah, that you want a little bit more on, we can do that too. I, I think one of the biggest ones that probably impact transportation significantly is the whole idea about changing customer requirements. And in our study that we've done for several years now, we see that over and over again, how that impacts especially transportation. Um, customers you know, think I want it on Tuesday, and then they come back, no, I really want it on Monday, or I want it on Friday. Well, early or late still has big issues. And so nailing that down to be responsive to the needs of customers is really, really critical. And if we think about the way that the market is changing and becoming much more digitized, how I deliver in that type of environment is really, really different. So kind of, let, let's kind of go through two examples. Um, and so your listeners may have already seen this. Um, Amazon Prime has a, um, uh, a service where you can deliver in two days. Or I'm sorry, not two days, two hours. And if, uh, if they go to YouTube and just Google um, a waffle maker or deliver it in two hours, there's literally some guy who decided, I'm going to go ahead and order a waffle maker, waffle mix, and syrup and see if I can get it within two hours from Amazon got it in 46 minutes. Within 46 minutes, he's actually cooking a waffle. That's pretty impressive. It is impressive, because now think about Amazon having to know what SKUs, and they have a very limited, they, they carry about 10,000 SKUs, but having a limited amount of SKUs and saying, we can go ahead and deliver that rapidly. So the best story, though, <clears throat> is um, one of my friends now, both companies are going to remain anonymous to protect them. But um, it was late at night, <clears throat> and they were at a, at a um, 
drinking establishment, and they were arguing about this idea about delivery in a short period of time. One was an LTL carrier, and they said, you know, nobody does two-hour delivery. And so they made a bet. It was for a significant amount of money to go to the charity of the winner's choice. And they said, we're going to order two things on Amazon and Prime, and we're going to get it delivered to our office in our megatown within two hours. So they picked two items. One was a chair, and the other one was a bag of Reese's Pieces, and said, let's see if they, they deliver it. It was midnight when they placed the order. They got the, the order to the office within two hours. So even in a crowded downtown market, now again, at midnight it's not too crowded, I'll grant you that, but I can now deliver that. So think about the digitization of the market that I can go ahead and start thinking about availability of a product and someone's going to go ahead and have it to my door in two hours. That's what transportation firms really need to start thinking about because those technological changes and advancements are going to impact us incredibly. And we really need to think through about what's that world going to look like, not in 10 years, but maybe three years. Yeah, I mean, I think I learned two things from that story. One of them is tailoring expectations, because obviously, you know, everybody's expectations are just going to go increase exponentially. And the other one is, not sure I want to have that conversation while I'm drinking about <laughs> about delivery, but that, that's absolutely amazing that they were able to have that, you know, over a couple of drinks. Yep. And have it delivered with it Reese's Pieces in two hours. Never mind chair. that. What time at night it was. Yeah, midnight. Yeah, 11 o'clock at night, 11, 12 o'clock at night. That is crazy. So don't talk about transportation while you're drinking. No, no that'd be like my clients <laughs> calling me while I'm at work being like, oh, I know you're leaving at 7 o'clock, Nick, and it's 8 o'clock now. I don't know why you're there and I'm talking to you, but could I get this delivered like now mm -hmm. when all the other carriers I deal with are all got home at 5 o'clock? Yeah. Yeah. And, sir, you bring up a really interesting point because now think about it. Just because one firm can do it, what's our expectation now out of everybody? Yeah. You ought to do the exact same thing. Yeah, because it happens in the It has that capability. One person can spoil it for the bunch. Yep. And I'm not saying that they're spoiling it in this regard, but it's kind of the reverse. One person can set those expectations for everybody else. Right. So that really matters quite a bit when you start thinking about strategies, and we'll get to that near, hopefully near the end of our conversation, because that is really a critical, fundamental piece that companies need to start thinking about. So, Carl, the next question I, we have the is... The expectation is no longer two days. It may be two hours. And how do I build my supply chain, and how do I think about transportation in such a way that gets me to that point? So, Carl, the next question we have is, what are the areas of opportunity? There's tons of um, areas for opportunity. Um, if I were to start looking at um, transportation overall, um, we, we talked a little bit about performance, and performance this past year was not really good. So one of the things that, that Mary Holcomb and I have worked on is developing like a scorecard, and it's based on um, – kind of like a perfect order, on-time complete, um, turndown ratio, damage ratios, and things like that. And if you were to look at, um, just an example, truckload carriers this year, um, they got a D-plus on their performance. They were at 69% um, when you just take across those that, an index. Um, that's down 
um, significantly from 2013 when they were at 76%. So a pretty big slide. Probably the best one in that whole group was LTL, and they were at 76%. But even they had a lower score compared to 2013 and even 2014. So overall performance has really dropped. So if we are looking at an area for improvement, getting the basics down really is going to matter quite a bit. Yeah, and figuring out how to improve some of those basics. So you just mentioned a scorecard. Is there somewhere that our audience can go to gain access to that scorecard? Is it available online? Um, well, the good news is the scorecard will be in the deck um, that you'll be providing to the podcast. Okay, perfect. Um, but you know what I will do is I'll also put that and maybe a better explanation part. Sorry about that. Um, on my website as well, and it's just my last name, manrote.com. So, so I'll get that up in a couple of days as well. So we'll kind of explain how we came up with that methodology and how that works. Oh, that would be perfect. Okay, so for the listeners, it's manrote.com. You got it. Perfect, perfect. So then let's get into the factors that matter the most to supply chain professionals. What are those factors? What are they looking for? You know, we talked about biggest impact. We talk about opportunity. But when it comes to transportation, obviously they're looking for savings. You know, we've talked about procurement. But yeah. what are the factors that matter the most to, to the supply chain professionals right now? Yeah, we looked at basically three of them. And one of them was on structure. So how am I actually working with uh, procurement? Another one was on technology. What role does technology play? And then overall on, on the, my transportation spend or some of the primary activities in there. So let's kind of little talk a little bit about um, the structure itself. And again, when you start looking at procurement, um, their involvement is getting fairly significant. So as an example, um, for inbound transportation, a procurement is playing a significant role 21% of the time. Now, in comparison, just so, so we kind of get a sense on where that's at, um, transportation, being involved in inbound transportation, you expect a fairly large number, but it was only 36%. So clearly it's moving up in that area, and that's, a, that's an increase over last year. If you look at materials management, procurement's about, involved about um, one-fifth of the time, so a little over 20%. Um, so structurally, I think one of the things that you're going to see out of um, the masters, and see these are the larger firms, is that procurement is, is slowly inching their way in and, and having a significant impact on how we're going to go ahead and buy transportation. Again, I think that's something that carriers, instead of just, I'm going to sell a load today, I had to, they had to think strategically, and that means they need to think about being aligned to the goals of the company. That's a very different sell because most of them, unfortunately, have a very much a cost or commodity focus. You know, I'm going to get this load because I'm $10 cheaper. And if we continually focus in on cost and sell ourselves on cost, we will never become a strategic partner. Strategic partners have a different language, a different mindset, a different attitude, a different outlook. And I've got to think about how do I help that customer um, perform, compete in a marketplace better than their competitors. That could mean or result in a higher cost. That's fine, but I have to help them get better at what they do, and we're not having that conversation. And one of my fears is that when you start getting procurement involved, that conversation doesn't come up, or it's less of a conversation because it's all about that cost. 
so that's that's one area. <clears throat> um, technology, <clears throat> really fascinating. If you start looking at organizations and saying, "What are you putting in?" and they'll say, "We're doing SAP. We put in a WMS. You know, we've got all this stuff." If you start looking at transportation and the technologies that's being utilized, it's not there. Firms, for some reason, and, and we're going to explore that this year and really try to delve into this, firms are much more um, cautious in actually spending money in domestic transportation software packages of any kind. And what's really surprising and kind of sad, a lot of firms still rely on manual um, methods or software, um, like um, spreadsheets, to manage your transportation spend. How can you good at, be good at it with that level of visibility? And, and the answer is you can't. And again, no, no company names and, and no embarrassment, but there's just a lot of firms that are really large that still rely on spreadsheets. And, and we just need to get away from that. We need to rely on better technology that's coming in. We, we've done it in every other place in the company, we just haven't done it in transportation. And then if you start looking at how do I leverage my spend, um, the, the masters are looking at a couple things. First off, how do I consolidate loads? What's my, what, how do I do that better and more effectively? That's probably their biggest priority. The other ones that they're looking at are increasing uh, shipment visibility. So what is that? Where are those shipments? And again, I can give alerts now to my customers to let them know what that's going to be like. Um, I'll use more drop and hook, great strategy to go ahead and use. And then they are looking at using more sophisticated tools for managing some of their operations. But again, we have a long way to go. And, and let me backtrack for just a moment because we talked about using a, a WMS versus a TMS. Most firms use WMSs at a higher rate than they will a, a TMS. So again, a lot of room for improvement in those areas. Why is that? I don't know. Um, and, and that's one reason we're going, to, we're going to look at it this year and just say, what is the deal? Um, because you would think if I would have seen benefits derived from using an ERP, a WMS, that that same mentality would flip over to transportation. Maybe it's because we're the ugly redheaded stepchild, um, and maybe it's part of that history. It's just a cost. It's just a commodity. Why spend money on it? Um, Maybe it's because firms really haven't understood the strategic advantages from, from transportation. So um, the good news is in July and August, we're going to do a lot of interviews with some folks to try to really drive at that and get a better understanding and then also kind of do some questionnaires in our survey geared around understanding that a little bit better. What we'd like to do is provide some ammunition for um, shippers to be able to use technology more effectively so they can get better at their job and not – and again, not just focusing on cost. I think that's wrong. That, that's a part of it, but really look at service. How do I use transportation as a strategic weapon in my environment? Yeah, you bring up some really good points. I mean, in the transportation industry, 
whether it's truck, air, ocean, we've really done, or they've really done themselves a lot of disservice when it comes to transportation and cost. Everybody's been competing on cost and driving, driving costs down and driving margins down and, and companies are going out of business, you know, because they're not, they're not able to maintain the business because of the margins and, and so that's one of the critical points that I think that you, you just brought up. Um, and then in the other scenario, it's, it's a chicken and egg situation. You know, you talk about companies still using spreadsheets to manage the transportation, but then you've got the transportation companies that aren't up to speed with the technology that they need to be able to provide to companies, yeah. partly because they've driven down these margins and there's not enough capital to reinvest in technology. So let's go back to your first point for just a minute, <clears throat> because we're becoming typecast, and we've done it to ourselves, which is even worse. So think about when I say this name, tell me who you think of, um, or what character, Leonard Nimoy. Oh, that's Star Trek, isn't it? Yeah, Spock, right? Yeah. But here's the deal. Did you know that Spock or Leonard was actually a poet? I had no idea. Did you know that he actually recorded his own poetry? I did, but I'm a bit of a nerd, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations. You're the first person that I've ever talked to that knew that. But think about what that would be like. And I kind of joke about taking my wife out on a date, you know, and, you know, get the car running, pop in Leonard Nimoy poetry in there, you know, and open up the door for her. You know, it's, it's, it's that whole idea about, man, I just don't think about Leonard to being a, a romantic or a poet, right? I just think about being cold, calculating scientist, yeah. right? Well, again, we've done the same things to ourselves. We walk into a, a client, and we want to talk about strategy, and all they hear is cost. Yeah. You're just trying to sell me something. We've done it to ourselves, and it's going to take us a while to dig out of that, to dig away from that typecast that we've done to ourselves and get us to think more about being a better player and really to be a partner in their business. Absolutely. Here, here. I, I definitely agree with that. So then, I guess since we've just talked about, you know, the current state of transportation, where we are now, let's talk about future growth. You know, how can organizations ensure future growth? You talked a little bit about what you guys are going to be doing on the digital side for, yeah. for strategies, but maybe if you can go into a little bit more, um, into more depth and talk a little bit more about the future and, and where that is right now. You know... <clears throat> Let me kind of frame it up by um, a couple things. So first off, let me read a vision statement by a well-known company, all right? And here's what they said. Our vision is to be the Earth's most customer-centric company, to build a place where people can come and find and discover anything they might want to buy online. Any idea who, who that might be? Amazon? I'm sorry? Is it Amazon? Yep. And, and what I really find interesting about that is, look at their focus. Whatever a customer wants, I'm going to go ahead and give it to them. Yeah. So what does that mean for strategy when I think about that from a more, I'll, I'll say, academic perspective, right? So if you were to look at Porter and everybody else, um, strategies have typically been based on, on cost, right? What's it going to cost me to go ahead and, and provide a service to a customer? And so I'll think about customer service strategies, but related to cost, or a cost-oriented strategy obviously is cost-based. 
differentiation is going to be based on a single product or a family of products, but again, based on cost. What if, if the economy continues to grow, what if cost no longer really is that big an issue for clients? So think about Amazon delivering a waffle maker at, in, within two hours. Cost really wasn't that big a deal. Somebody was willing to go ahead and pay for that. Delivering a chair in Reese's Pieces at 11 o'clock or midnight really wasn't that big a deal. I just wanted those two items. So what does that mean? We're flipping the equation or strategies from a customer perspective from being cost-oriented to being availability-based strategies, which means that I want the product when I want it, and now uh, everything I do, customer service, cost, differentiation, scope of goods or services offered is based on availability of goods, not necessarily based on cost. So I'm willing to buy charcoal. Honest to God, we can buy charcoal online and get it in, you know, two days. I can get it in a week. I can get, I can get charcoal at different prices based on availability, okay? So what does that mean for transportation companies? I've got to rethink really strenuously how I'm actually going to go ahead and deliver goods to organizations. And that, that sounds easy, but it's going to be really hard because I'm not going to necessarily compete anymore as a company like, like Amazon. I'm going to have to really compete as a supply chain, which we really haven't done very well at all. So how is Amazon tackling that? Well, they're not, they're vertically integrated. They're becoming more of their own supply chain. They're buying planes. They're buying trucks, right? So they're integrating so they can control more of this so that they can have an availability-based strategy. So do I have time to give you a couple of of examples about where this might be headed? Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to sneak in a quick point there. I mean, there's... You know, there's a reason why they're buying planes and they're developing their own supply chain, and that's because there is no transportation provider out there that's willing to do what they need to do to complete their vision. Um, I would agree. So they get greater control over their their delivery of service to their clients. Yeah, and that's where, you know, transportation companies really need to take a look um, inside and internally and really decide where they want to where they want to be in the future. You know what does that mean for them? So anyway, sorry. Go go ahead with your examples. So yeah. So with that said too, sir. Then think about it from the, the other perspective. Is I have to really think hard about how I'm actually delivering those goods, right? And if I think about a supply chain perspective, I could say, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to dump a lot of goods into the distribution centers and then deliver. But my costs are going to be horrendous if I do that. So again, if I'm going to have availability as my as as one of my base or availability availability based strategies, cost really will still come into play. I'm just going to be able to charge multiple prices for that availability of the product, but I need to keep my costs down as much as I can by integrating as much as I can. So let me kind of give you a couple of different examples. Um, back in 2015, Amazon, DHL, and Audi did a project together. Um, over in Europe. So here was the deal. You would order something um, on Amazon. DHL was going to deliver it to you. But you know what, Sarah? You're not going to be at home. So what we'll do instead is we'll deliver it to your car. So DHL 
would find out where your car is because your car has a GPS locator in it. And then it has a one-time code, and it could go ahead and open up your trunk, put your goods into your car, and then drive away. Brilliant. That is amazing. I have never heard of that before, but that is amazing. Now, you know what's really kind of interesting? So you and I and Nick, we're like, that's so cool. I can't wait for that to happen. I'll buy, I'll buy an Audi today, right? When I tell my students that story, what do you think they say? Creepy. Oh, my God. That's my car. That's my, that's my trunk. I don't, I don't want anybody in my trunk. And all I can think is, what do you have in your trunk that you're scared of somebody seeing? Yeah, like exactly. do you have dead bodies or something, people? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, now, I, it's a liberal arts institution, so, you know, I, I don't think we do. Um, <laughs> but I'm a little bit, I'm surprised on how the millennials viewed that. And, and, well, you never know this day and age, too. Huh? Uh, agreed. But now think about that a capability or ability to go ahead and do that, all right? So, and, and everybody talks about drones. You know what? I, I think there's something better coming than drones. So drones are out there, autonomous vehicles. Autonomous vehicles are interesting. Um, so go to, go to San Francisco. Um, there's a company called, um, I, um, has a, a thing called uh, Marble. And Marble is a um, um, robot that is now mapping all the sidewalks in San Francisco. And the reason they're mapping it is so that they can go ahead and use that data for robots to deliver goods to individuals in downtown areas. So Yelp, as an example, has a robot that, is, that can deliver food um, to its clientele. And so um, if you Google Yelp, 20, Yelp Eats 24 Deliveries, you can actually see one of their robots that goes around and actually delivers goods to them. But what's really going to happen? So if you think about that, oh, and let me add one other one too. Um, Kroger has a great service here in Milledgeville called um, uh, Click It, Click List. Are you familiar with that at all, Sarah? No, no, no. I have no idea. Okay, so here's the deal. My wife and I are addicted to this. You get, um, you know, we're loyalty customers. So we get on our phone, and we now say, you know what, we're going to order dinner. So we can order everything online that we want from bananas, tomatoes, meats, the whole bit, and do all that, select the time that we want to pick it up and hit submit. At that point in time, we just drive up, we call the store, they come out with our groceries, put it in our car, and we drive away. They already have our credit card. They're going to go ahead and bill us for it right then and there, and we're done. I so, prefer that. I don't like shopping, so that that would be beneficial for me. So you want to move? Unless it's like a Canadian Tire or like a man store, yeah, I don't really care for shopping. Yeah, but now think about, I mean, that's a positive and negative, right? Because a lot of times when you go through that store, Nick, you're going to pick up additional goods, right? You're not going to do that anymore. So they have to charge you something for that service, and they, they charge like four ninety five. But I also save a lot of time by not having to go into the store. And a lot of money for not picking up those additional items. Yeah, for going down that snack food aisle or, or something that <laughs> always gets me. Candy. Candy, yeah. Chocolate burst candy. <laughs> you notice how they put milk in the very back corner? Because you had to walk through the entire store to get to it. Ah. Right? They're not stupid. They, they know exactly how the layout ought to be to maximize sales. All right. So let's tie all this together. Long term is, and long term could be three years, five years. I don't know. I think it's actually pretty short. If we can really get vehicles, autonomous vehicles, to actually deliver beer in Colorado, 
what's what's going to be what's that future going to look like? Is the future going to be where we have showrooms that actually show up at our driveway and deliver our goods? Why instead of having these autonomous vehicles just on the interstate, why don't I have an autonomous vehicle drive up at 6:30 at my house and deliver the groceries from Kroger? Or better yet, when it when it shows up at my house to deliver, it doesn't just have my groceries. It has all those things that I might want, right? All those, that ice cream, that candy bar, that Diet Coke, those green, or the bananas that are greener than the really ripe ones, and I really want green ones, all that stuff. So I can pull my stuff out, but at the same time, pick out everything else that I'd want. Amazing. And that's just the last mile. I mean, we, we talk about you know, sort of that strategic partnership arm for the transportation companies and being part of that supply chain. So yeah. I think I think it's exciting. I think there's going to be a lot of changes to the industry, and it's it's going to be interesting to see how companies, companies get there and companies do that. So what are some of the areas of supply chain that you will be taking a look at? I mean, I know you talked a little bit about the digital strategies. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, I think the, this whole idea about Availability, availability-based strategies is one that we're really exploring quite a bit. Um, and you know, if the economy doesn't uh, perform well, guess what? It's going to be that's going to be slowed or dampened because you're going to need significant resources to, to develop a lot of this, right, and get to, to that point. But again, I, I'm the speed that technology is increasing and how quickly it's happening, especially over in Europe. You know, this could be something over the next five years that we really look at. I, I think the other area that we're really focused in on is understanding why transportation is lagging so far behind when it comes to technology. And one of the things that, that we want to really look at is, are there phases that companies go through to go from a manual spreadsheet to being very sophisticated? What does it take internally for that to occur? How do I make that go faster? Um, the good news is I think we can actually leapfrog a lot of these phases. So a firm may have gone to manual spreadsheets to a server-based PMS that goes to a cloud. I can skip over the, the server-based PMS that I had installed. I'll just go cloud, right? I'll go to something else. So what we really want to do is understand that process and help firms look and see really where they're at and what that cost associated with where they're at um, and then get them to, to be able to use that as a tipping point for upper management to say, you know what, we really need to change this. Um, if, if, if we had one thing that we'd really want to do is get firms to really think through, especially, especially shippers, to think about transportation not as a commodity but as a strategic tool. How do I use it to be more effective in the marketplace? How do I use it as a competitive weapon to make me different than anybody else? And firms that do that are going to be really cutting edge and thinking through what's it going to look like in five years and how do I get there faster than somebody else? And for us, that's really, really exciting. Absolutely. So um, I know you mentioned that you're going to be doing some more research. Do they find some of those answers um, and some of the research, that the information on the research that you're doing, do they find that at your website or where else can they find that? They'll find it on the website but um, and also on LinkedIn. So on, uh, if they were to just go to and look me up on my profile, um, some of the, the things we've written about um, are on there. We, we did a really cool paper on um, 
dinosaurs in a digital world and kind of talks about some of those areas about how um, technology is changing rapidly. And if they're not keeping up with that, they're going to fall pretty far behind. And so they need to rethink the way they do things. And so we've written quite a bit on uh, the whole use of APIs within, within um, organizations, especially in transportation. Great. Well, thank you, Carl, for coming on the show today. Just again for our listeners, Carl's provided us with a free resource for you on his findings at our website, twobabestalksupplychain.com, or you can find out more information on that scorecard we spoke about earlier in the episode at Carl's website, manrote.com, which is M-A-N-R-O-D-T.com. So thanks again, Carl, for coming on the show. Really appreciate you taking the time out of your birthday today. No worries. Glad to do it. Thank you for the invitation. Are you looking for short-term storage solutions? Do you have empty warehouse space you would like to fill? SecureSkids is your Airbnb for warehousing, connecting vacant warehouse space with companies that need space for their products. Visit them at SecureSkids.com for more information and to sign up for free. That's S-E-C-U-R-E-S-K-I-D-S dot com. How did Carl change your thoughts about transportation and the search for savings? Next week, we are talking packaging and how it affects the supply chain and how organizations can save millions and reduce their carbon footprint in choosing the right packaging. With Matt White from Belarus Cornets. This episode was produced by Mike Mazurik. We're your hosts, Nick and Sarah. Please write us a review on iTunes so others can find our show. And remember everyone, ship happens.